Welcome to the Arrive Early, Leave Late podcast. I'm your host, Bethel Duran. And today we're going to go a little bit off script. Usually we talk to the reporter who's written stories or a reporter about their background. But this time, Lance Pugmire, our combat sports writer, sent an email and said, hey, I can bring in a couple of UFC fighters. I was all for it. I'm like, heck yeah, let's bring it in, mix it up. But this isn't your traditional interview where you hear these guys like on Sports Talk Radio or TV where they only get a couple minutes. We really got in good with two fighters that have known each other a long time. One's a champion and one is a UFC debut on Saturday at UFC 235 in Las Vegas. Who do we have today, Lance? We have the welterweight champion Tyron Woodley and we have the undefeated contender Ben Askren, Tyron's very close friend. And, you know, these guys grew up in the wrestling world together. They were both very decorated amateur wrestlers. And now they're in the UFC together. They're Very interestingly, and we'll have them talk about this, they are refusing to fight each other even if there is a welterweight belt on the line. They don't want to fight each other because they're family. They got haters, an organization and outside, and a toga party in Missouri. All that coming up on the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast. It's Wednesday, February 27th. Saturday night, UFC 235. It'll be an action-packed card. Lance Pugmire, you cover MMA, you cover boxing, you cover a lot of things for the LA Times. Are you going to be there? Oh, yeah, for sure. All right. We'll be there on Thursday, um, there for Friday for the weigh-in, and then uh, Saturday for what uh, I think is going to be a pretty significant UFC card, given everything that's at play. Where's it at? It's at T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas. You like it? It's a good card. I mean, you've got John... No, 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 I forget the what? card is T-Mobile. You like it? I like MGM Grand better, actually, to be honest with <laughs> really? you. Manny Pacquiao I like Mandalay Bay. You like yeah, Mandalay? Mandalay's good, too, but, you know, it's Manny... Really low-key. That's, what, that's the voice of Tyron Woodley. Champions will be on the card Saturday. Also joined by Ben Askren. The reason I bring up, do you like T-Mobile or Mandalay? Because I knew the fighters always have a different kind of preference. Like some guys like the new, some like the old. You like the old Mandalay. A little grit uh, to it, huh? Yeah, I like the old Mandalay Bay because it remind me of back in the old days when I fought in Strike Force in my first UFC fight. It just seemed a little bit more low-key. Trying to maneuver through the casinos and MGM. And T-Mobile's not that bad, but when you're trying to like actually go in just to check your weight... It may take an hour to get there, and when you are dehydrated and drained, and you still want to give love to the fans, it just it makes it a lot, you know, to get ready for yeah, that. Fight it's an arena that's not connected to the hotel, like yeah. MGM. You just go down the elevator, boom. As a reporter, I know you hate it, right, Lance? Love it. Oh, come on! I, I want Lance I to give me a little like I don't want to walk there. I want you to be a salty reporter here. No, no. There I you love go. It. No, that's why you're my guy, Lance. Yeah. You love the job. You love going there. And the Man, vibe voice is going to stay the same no matter what you say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this car, before we get to these guys, previewed a little bit. You said you like this car a lot. I do because you've got the light heavyweight champion, John Jones, who was out for so long with all of the PED issues that he was having. He's coming back against a guy who's come on as undefeated at his weight class, Anthony Smith. John Jones is fighting after just fighting December 29th at the Forum. Coming right back to lead this main event, and let's see what he's got. I mean, he's saying that he's still in peak form, but it's kind of a quick turnaround. You guys would probably know better than me how big of a deal that is. But I think that the UFC has obviously wanted this guy to be fighting as often as possible because he is such a powerful draw. So John Jones will have another opportunity to test clean for this fight and really pronounce himself as back and, and you know back all the way. You got Tyron's fight against a very tough challenger. Tyron's favored in the fight, but it's going to be an entertaining fight. And you know what? Tyron is an underappreciated champion. In Damn my, straight, in, Lance. 
He's an underrated champion. I mean, this is your fifth defense. He's won the fights that they've given him. You know, the manner in which he's won, and we can talk about this, you know, during the course of the And you're not saying this because he's here, because the notes that you sent me were exactly what you're saying right now. Don't be a suck-up, Lance. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) Look, the bottom line is you you guys know this more than me. There's something to be said about a guy that can just take care of business and win the fight the way he needs to. He's had some complicated opponents he's had to deal with. He's won those fights. He's retained the belt, and that's what matters most. And then, obviously, the debut of Ben Askren with the UFC. I think just having covered the sport and seeing some of the personalities that have come through it, he reminds me a little bit. I think he's a better fighter than Chael Sonnen, but he's got that personality a little bit about him where he doesn't care what anyone thinks about what he says. He's just going to say it. And there's a little bit of uh, Conor McGregor to him, too, because I Uh think that everyone... Connor before he went off the hinges. I feel like he's kind of putting the hinges back on. He's actually been working out yeah, and training. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there was a good nine months there where all I did was post proper 12 I know. pictures. Hopefully he's Marketing. getting it. Marketing is good. <laughs> you know what's funny about this is I remember when I graduated college at Mizzou, I was coaching for a couple of years, and I used to try to calm Ben down. I was like, Ben, I was like, Ben, <laughs> why do you keep talking crap to these guys at the weigh-ins? And he said, Tyre, I said, dude, you want to be remembered like the Schultz brothers, you know, you chasing greatness and, um, you know, you don't want peace to Tyra. I don't want to be, he said, I want to be infamous. He said, I want to go out here and these guys don't want to wrestle me. So he used to trick him at the weigh-ins and talk a little crap to him because otherwise they would try to grab his wrist, stall it out, keep it closed. So he would come up to him and say a couple choice words that I won't say here, but he would basically say, are you going to wrestle me this match or are you going to run around? Are you going to actually wrestle me tonight? Mm-hmm. Get after it. So it's not like he's just starting to do this. A lot of people start talking and start trying to rev up the stuff because they think that's what you have to do to sell a fight. But he's been doing this when it wasn't cool. It's not really cool to do that in wrestling now. Not, it definitely yeah. wasn't cool then. Not then. But he made he made it fun. He made it entertaining, and he did it his way. So what you guys are seeing is not some show of somebody that's just trying to put on some razzle-dazzle. This dude's been doing this stuff <laughs> since NCAA wrestling, and now I understand why he was doing it. Saturday night, UFC 235 in Las Vegas, pay-per-view. Go and check it out. Lance Pugmar will have all the coverage on the LA Times website and also your Twitter pages because Lance gets there early. He's there at 2 o'clock. You know, when the ushers get there, Lance is there to make sure he doesn't miss anything. Not some all guys right. that just show just for the main event. Now, the reason we have you guys in here because you have an interesting story yeah we can go and break down how the fight's going to be and all the details but then some people might be like i don't even know what he's talking about right now we have the general audience you Mm -hmm. two have an interesting story you're a champ you're making your ufc debut you guys are going to fight really close in time i think i think you're maybe one fight before him or no i think i well i gotta see the card the agreement i made was that i get to be the first one on the pay-per-view so i can come back and help be in his corner but uh if they change it around no one told me that are you breaking news right now? No, I'm, I'm just, what I read was that you're going to fight close enough to oh. where you guys are. I haven't seen a card, but it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. You're the champ. You're yeah. making your debut, but you two He's go, a champ too, though. But you, you, got, you can't take away the, the championship. But you two, are going, you two go way <laughs> back. Way, way back. Way meet? back. Way back like H. I want to say, uh, <laughs> listen, I, listen, I'll tell Good you, I, this is so funny. Well, that, uh, we should do a podcast. I already A-track, told you we should do a tracks and afros. <laughs> <laughs> the ben first time, afro. one of my first recruiting trips, I don't recall Tyron in that first recruiting trip, but I went on another recruiting trip in the spring. And it was something. When you were in high school? Yeah, so I was a senior in high school. Okay. I, the second one, I committed to Missouri, bringing a friend who I thought wanted to go there, and he ended up going there. It was an annual tradition called the toga party. <laughs> and Tyra, <laughs> oh, continue, continue. Tyra, are, you gonna tell, are we really going to go into this? Well, I mean, we can't go deep. We'll keep we can PG-ish. But Tyron was in the back room starting his rap career. I forgot about in that. In a toga. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, who is at this Clint guy? Freeman, at Clint Freeman's house, I remember. You know, the funny That's thing is. That's a heck of a recruiting trip. 
a lot of people don't know this, but we used to pass a lot of time rapping randomly on uh, wrestling <laughs> camps and stuff. But I do remember Ben's first toga, his first, and this is a traditional party. So it this is a be, Missouri traditional it, it, party. It, it, it got banned eventually. It but... got banned eventually because we turned it up a little bit. Too okay. much. I mean, four or five hundred people. Oh wow! People got evicted from their houses because we built a big <laughs> mud pit every time. Wait, so this is a wrestling house? No, this is a wrestling tradition. We picked the house yeah. that it was going to happen at. One time I hosted it. I hosted it once. Oh, my God. It's crazy. So what so we listen, do you have is... all these wrestlers in togas. Of course you're going to put No, them. that's the end part. Oh, they that's got the end part. part. Oh, they, that's the end. I, I, that's I'll the fun quiet. part. Go ahead. Go ahead. They, we start during the day, and they have to chug these beer bones. It's a race and <laughs> a competition. Now, the reason why I bring this up, because as you heard, Ben has never swallowed alcohol in his that's life. Right. never drank. So never what drank. we made him drink was the nastiest taste in Powerade Zero we could find. So he chugged. <laughs> Powerade like, Zero is nasty just to begin yes. with. So he had to that, chug. I don't think it still exists, <laughs> does it? Yeah, it does. It, it does? So yeah. he was chugging this Powerade Zero. He's like, ah, it's so nasty. I'm like, dude, you don't even have to drink beer. So why are you like, <laughs> and I hate beer. So for me to even think about doing that. So uh, they do that first. Then it went from a, like a costume to like well hey you forgot the head shaving then they shave your head yeah, I didn't let them shave my shit though I didn't play okay. that Tyron didn't let <laughs> I, I didn't play I didn't shave my head they shave your head no and for, they did yeah oh, they did. oh you wow. sure did yeah he had this big crazy wicked afro and he let him shave it all on yeah. he was overly committed to the cause so after they <laughs> wait why do they shave your head it's college it's stupid yeah, you know? so yeah but you had some good hair probably yeah, yeah. so after his oh, head shaved and after they loss. had a couple you know beers through this beer bong competition then we load them all up in the trunk and we make them run through campus Oh. but the thing is it started off in <laughs> underwear and a shirt then it was a jock strap then it finally ended up being saran wrap Oh. Well, you got, you got, you got, remember and you got a 12 inch piece of duct tape. You could use however you want it. Hey, he said 12 inch. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, hold on, time out. I don't know. So you wore it like a, yeah, like a thong kind of. There's a so joke what, in there. You got to go yeah, there. No. Come on. I was about to go there. But, but anyway, it wasn't always a 12 inch piece of duct tape. Yeah. So, uh, so. I remember one time we got pulled over by the police. Uh, now, the whole universe. Wait, the, the school police? They all know us, though. They all yeah. know we do this every year. Okay. So we get, pull- <laughs> we get pulled over, and people in the back. Now, granted, this saran wrap is popped. They're basically naked at this <laughs> yeah. point. So I remember being in the back of the truck. <laughs> the police officer said, hey. He said, he said, hey, what are you guys doing back there? He said, where are your clothes at? And I remember this guy named Jim was like, what clothes? <laughs> and I look, and the police officers looked at us and said, all right, just get out of here. They just, they just let us go. But I mean, it's just a camaraderie that's built. You know, you beat each other up. And unlike other sports, you don't really get an off season. If you want to be good, you can take an off season. But when it comes down to starting in the lineup and you can really, like I told my son this year, because he had a shoulder surgery. I said, don't worry about it, brother. This summer, you're going to be able to make up three wrestling seasons in the summer. I watched him do it. I watched him go from a red shirt where he was beating guys like Robbie Waller, not Lawler. Robbie Waller, who's NCAA champ and All-American, beating him in open tournaments to wrestling through that whole summer. The next year, he was competing for the NCAA title. So it just tells you in wrestling, you can make up that time. So we can't take time off like that. So it's collegiate. But then it's freestyle, then it's Greco, then preseason's right around the corner. And if you're smart, you it's do a, a preseason for preseason. Oh, yeah. Grind, huh? At every D1 school that's a big school, preseason is probably harder than the season, in my I, opinion. I think so. So you got to kind of get in shape for that. So with that said, we don't get no time out. That's how we build a bond. Two years around each other in that kind of lifestyle, right? Well, Doing four. all those. Well, more than that. The two of you guys. Red I, shirt, freshman, sophomore, and then you coached. Then I coached two years. Two years. Oh, okay. five, five years. 
I was the only one that can give him a freaking go probably in his last two years, you know, and it got to the point where I probably couldn't even give him the go that he needed. So I had to wrestle. I didn't have a choice. Well, I'm trying to think about, I mean, in covering combat sports, the only examples that I can think of where guys would not fight each other for a belt was the Klitschko brothers, yeah. who were actually flesh and blood, and then Cormier and Kane, and obviously those guys trained together and built that close bond as well. Yeah. That close bond is everything to you guys. Yeah, we, the, You two will never fight. DC and Kane no. are the only two that I think are as close as me and Ben. Yeah. Nobody else is. Like, you can be a teammate. Like, I've trained with guys, and I've been teammate with guys. Like, like Robbie. I was a teammate of Robbie. I was a big fan of Robbie. My family loved Robbie. But when I came down to the strap, I had to fight him because that was my chance. You don't always get an opportunity to fight for the gold, and you don't always get a chance to be put in a position to fight. It's not our choice. So when I got an opportunity, I had to take that. It wasn't my choice. I didn't say, hey, I want to beat up Robin Tech with the guy, take his belt from him. Business. But I had to do it. But with Ben. No, we don't have to do it. It's too many, yeah. too many guys to fight. But if it ever were presented down the road. I mean, it probably you will say be, right but now, we'll just say no. You'll still say no. Yeah, yeah I'm not with Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Why? I mean, like Come said, to the gym and watch those. Yeah, but he said, like he said <laughs> watch there's train. so many guys I want to fight. No, I respect right? it. I so respect there's so many you guys I want that. to fight, so I don't need to, right? I can the energies in the different. universe and God and oh, whatever geez. you believe in this is, are, bring going, that same energy. are going to... Go, <laughs> look, you got it now. Listen, no, I, I asked the <laughs> wait, kids. Wait, wait, why no energy? Tyron says, don't say well, energy? No, no, I didn't know this saying that. <laughs> Tyron says I'm not hip enough. He says these kids say this bring the same energy thing. I never heard that before. I asked the kids that I coach. They don't know what that means. So I don't know. But we're Maybe talking about the kids in Wisconsin. Thing. They're they're freezing <laughs> out there. We can't compare them to the kids in Wisconsin. Wrestling is a team sport, but it's not a team sport, right? Once you get to this level, you have a team, but yeah. like you're still trying to feed your family. I don't know. You're I would to get say paid. in college wrestling, it's not. Team about right now. It's more than anything because there's this other sport you play together. But in wrestling, it's like you're gonna go against each other and it's not fighting all the way but you're essentially unarmed combat with each other right someone's gonna get their ass kicked someone's not and at the end of the day you're still gotta be friends right because yeah. if you build an antagonistic relationship where you're saying oh I don't like the guy who beats me you gotta work together for five years right you're gonna stop working together you're gonna stop making each other better so it's it's interesting because you gotta try to beat the guy up but then you also have to be the guy's really good friend and you gotta look out for each other's best interests otherwise you gotta be honest becomes, with them too so they yeah. have accountability like yeah. I remember one one of the realest things so that tough. Ben never told me in college is I used to pride myself. I think I went one year and nobody in the wrestling room taking me down. And Ben said, well, that's good and all, but you didn't attempt new stuff. He said, practice is practice. He said, if you do everything you're good at in practice, you're only going to be good at the things you're good at. He said, I'm trying to body lock you, even though I know you're good at body locking, but I'm going to do it over and over again. If I get taken down, I'm not going to lose a match in here. So I'm working on things I'm not good at. And so when I go in a match, I can sharpen what I'm good at and things that are my weaknesses, now they become strengths. And I'm like, damn. <laughs> I mean, it was a little bit late for me, you know, it was like my junior or senior year when he told me that, but I really started thinking about that and practicing. And Anthony Pettis is a good example of that. He said, when I fight, when you guys watch me fight jumping off the cage, that's a narrowed down version of me. He said, in practice, I throw the kitchen sink and then I kind of be a little bit more conservative in the fight. And I'm like, damn, that's a great way of thinking. And that's what a training partner and a teammate and a true friend, like they can just let you go out there and do that or they can hold you to a higher standard and say, hey, you know, being be like, you're in shape or you're not in shape. You need to do more. Hey, man, you're getting too tired. No, we got to keep going. And that's what somebody that wants to see you reach your maximum potential really does for you. 
this friendship that you guys have, it's not entirely all about, you know, bringing out the bestie in each other wrestling, is it? Because, I mean, I could imagine sitting down and talking to you. We've done those lunches before, and you're a different guy than he is. We're the so, same we're guy. I'm going to tell you why. We think differently, but we think for ourselves. Yeah. Like, politically, we got different opinions. The way we defend a shot is different, but we respect each other's mind because I don't let anybody put something on social media and it's law to me. Neither does he. He reads more to me, but I watch more and I analyze. That's why I knew about the keep that same energy. You know, I keep my ears to the grind. I kind of learn better that way. He takes it to a more technical standpoint where he's reading more. You should read these big, thick, crazy books on a plane. Uh-huh. I'm like, how did you read that whole book? Like, what is it even about? So that's why we can get along because I'm not going to let somebody tell me that I can't do music, movie, TV, fighting. He's not going to let you tell him he can't continue to coach wrestling, do disc golf, and travel the world. And still not. He should watch everybody wrestle the whole tournament, (laughs) sit in the stands. Oh, I'm up. Not even warm up. Go down there, pin somebody, and go back up there. I'm in the back. I'm focusing. Don't talk to me. I'm overly serious. But that's what it took for me to get to that level. And I think that's where the respect comes in. You know, I can't speak for all college teams, but at least the college team we were on, it wasn't just we went in the practice room and then at five o'clock we went home. We never saw each other. Yeah. I mean, we spent 14 hour bus rides to Milledgeville, Georgia oh together. Gosh. I mean, you get to know people. What do you do on a 14 hour bus ride? In college? Harass each other. Colorado. Harass each other. No, we got no cell phones, no social media. I mean, you harass each other, right? I mean, yeah. and that you get to know each other on a different level. And then the, the second part of that is, you know, when you really care about something and that was for us being successful is you go through hardships with each other and, and you go through adversity and you pick each other up. And so, you know, it wasn't just like, hey, we worked out together two hours each day and then went home. You get so in-depth in their life and so involved and you care so much about them that it's hard to find friendships like that when you move out of college because you're just not experiencing those same things. When I left Missouri, I left in um, 2007 or eight, and I left and I remember my buddy Joey Garrity calling me, you know, his mom was passed away from cancer and he felt like I was one of the only ones he could talk to about the way he was feeling. And Mark Ellis was deciding whether he should have his knee scoped or not. And it was a big year mm-hmm. being in those guys and getting them ready, you know, and he was in a hunt for an NCAA title. And guess what? He didn't even physically know himself he was in a hunt. Yeah. He didn't believe in himself the way that he should have. And these guys did. And they got him to bring it out in one tournament. But he had to make a choice and he quietly got this surgery and sat out for a couple of weeks, and he went on to win the NCAA title. Same thing with Raymond Jordan. He incurred so many injuries, and just his life of losing his mom, losing his dad, losing his grandparents, his high school coach being his actual legal guardian, he would never complain. He would have tears rolling down his eye in practice, but you could never get this kid to complain. He would call me, or Chandler would call me, but I'm like, I've been gone for two years, and these guys still feel comfortable talking to me, and that tells me that my time was well spent in Missouri. Like, I might have encouraged him to do some bonehead stuff. Which I, <laughs> That's part of we, the, You part know, of it's it. part of the deal. Well, you're you know? supposed to do that. Yeah, yeah. but but in general, they knew like I cared Power about them. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, my job there as Missouri, I was a trailblazer, man. I knew that the guys like Askren and some of these guys behind me were going to do better. They were going to win titles. But I was there to build the path. Missouri was terrible when I went there. When I say terrible, I mean, at 90 schools, they may have been 63rd low, or something, really very low. low. Let me take you back to 2008. He's in Beijing. Yeah, yeah. The Olympics. What did you think? I got it. You know, I remember um, we were doing a wrestling camp. And, um, you know, our coach is the damn warden when it comes down to wrestling camps. <laughs> and we was doing the wrestling camps. And I just remember, like, like, I couldn't focus. I couldn't focus because I'm like, 
I know the matches are going on. They're giving us updates over the deal. We got thousands of kids. Some of them can wrestle. Some of them would never make it into wrestling. But we got to treat everybody the same. And I just remember they trying to snap me in and space and out. And then all the coaches and the wrestlers, we're getting updates. We're getting updates. He's up by this. He's up by that. He won the Olympic trials. He's going to the Olympics. And I just remember everybody went this super hot wrestling camp. Everybody go crazy. They go ham. And you know, wrestling NCAA and winning NCAA title, yeah, that's great. And that's the goal. But when you make it to the Olympic Games, that's better than winning NCAA title. That's better than winning a UFC championship. But nobody made a style. Like, he was the first wrestler, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, that really created a style. Mike Ironman and him, they would go and wrestle for one hour. Coach, are we done with practice? Yeah, Ben, we done with practice. He would leave wrestling practice, which sucked, by the way. And then <laughs> he made sure it was clear that we were done with what the traditional practice would be. And he left the traditional, and he walked into the other room, and him and Ironman developed this entire style of scrambling. So he took a style of scrambling. He said, well, why are you doing that? You're being lazy. Why are you knee on the ground? You should stand <laughs> up with it. And he changed it and made it functional for all walks of life. And to watch him do that and watch him give it back and teach it, like Coach used to let him teach practice sometimes while he was an athlete because it was so new and it wasn't fundamental according to what everybody was saying. Still you know? isn't. You know, I think one of the most interesting things about you, Ben, is that you come over here in an unprecedented manner, a, a trade. I mean, yeah. how does a trade happen in the UFC, especially with their unwillingness to deal with That's any what other I organization? Said. What, what was your know. involvement? What was your involvement? Not almost none. Really? They called me one day, not the UFC, Chatry from the other organization, uh, from one, and he called, he said, hey, what if we traded you? You can do that? You know, I was like, uh, yeah, whatever. You know, I'm good. Trade me. Whatever. You've never, whatever. You've never gone to them and said, hey, I want I want a greater competition or well, anything like had, that. Well, we had always talked about if there was an opportunity for me to prove myself that I'd love to take that opportunity. So he knew I was game for that. And he called me and said, what if we trade you? Yeah, whatever. Okay. And I thought it was kind of, yeah, that's not going to happen. You know, that's what I thought. And then he called me two weeks later and he goes, hey, you're traded. Just <laughs> like, like that? I'm like, wait. Uh, well, I, I remember because I was going to sleep. It was about 11 o'clock at night and I was going to sleep with my wife. Calls me and he says, you know, it's Singapore time. So he's probably 11 a.m. or whatever. And he said, hey, you're traded. Come on, stop. And he said, no, you're traded. And I remember I woke up and I was all excited. And then I was like, I really want to go to sleep that night because I got three kids. So I was tired, you know? And then I couldn't sleep till like 2 o'clock in the morning because I was so excited. So, yeah, that blew my mind. I didn't know it could happen. Was he your first phone call? They told me I had to keep it confidential. Oh. So no one knew except my wife for maybe a month. A month? Wow. Wow. I, I didn't have to tell him for a month. I know. I think I'm, you know what? You told him. I don't, I, yeah, dude. According to the contract, he didn't tell me. Actually, you know, we'll edit that out. Yeah, he didn't tell anybody. I don't know. Nobody knows nothing. Now I'm going to check my text messages. <laughs> I remember, I remember my, he called me and I told think me. I, you know what? I think I did. You I told think me, I did call it, you. It, it may not have been the month that you know about it, but before they announced it, maybe a couple of days before they announced it. Yeah, you're right. I he called me and told me, say, you know, just so you know, I'm being in the UFC. They're making a trade. Because I got the same manager as DJ. So I knew they were making a deal with DJ going to 1FC. But I thought they were just going to release him. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. I'm like, damn, Malky, how did you get them to release DJ? Like, he was pound for pound at a point in time. And then, no, you know what? I didn't know the trade. Okay. He told me he was going to the UFC, and I knew DJ was going to 1FC. Uh. But I didn't know it was a trade. Yeah. Okay. I think it's interesting because both of you guys kind of have like this interesting dynamic back and forth with the uh, president of the UFC, Dana White. I mean, he's, <laughs> hey, I'm out the doghouse right now. Don't throw me back in there. Oh, you're out? How'd you get out? Just being quiet. <laughs> Which is, let's get him back Which in is there. what we don't need on a podcast. Hey, hey you, so. know, you know what's funny is, like, we were at the... Um, what, wait, wait, hold on, for the people who don't know, why were you in the doghouse? 
You mean like any sound reason? There was no sound reason. No good reason. Okay, why did you feel like you were? Uh, There's no feel. I wasn't. No, he was in doghouse. This is the thing. I was in a doghouse because, like I said earlier, I think for myself, and I'm going to be outspoken. I feel like, like me and Ben are both fans of Muhammad Ali. Yes. And Muhammad Ali, had he been quiet, he may have never went to jail. He may have never lost years and years of his competition, and he also may have made millions and millions more in money because he did it his way. When he passed away, I said, you know what? Why can't I be one of the greatest? And every single time you speak about things, people don't always want to hear it. You know what I mean? Sometimes truth comes off as complaining, come off as nagging, come off as picking fights. So I've always been vocal, but if you really see me, I've really been the same person the whole time. He's from Ferguson, Missouri, uh-huh. though. I mean, this yeah. is a conversation that needs to take place. Yeah. I mean, that's my thing as a reporter. Yeah. Like, the reason we cover your sport, yes, like, we want to talk about the fights and everything like mm-hmm. that, but we also want to peel back the onion of and who they you dropped, are. And they dropped the ball on that. Like, when, well, when the I Ferguson mean, riot dropped off that day because I was in St. Louis, my son's birthday is when the kid got shot, August 9th, because I was in Vegas. I took my son to Vegas with me, TJ, and we were flying back from Vegas, and I was on a plane, I was going to sleep and something, my phone just kept chirping, chirping, chirping. I'm like, what's going on? And they said, oh my God, like they're going crazy. So I was going to drop my son off, drive up and see what's going on. And I remember the time I said, no, you need to stay here. Don't go down there. You don't know what's going to happen. And that was the night of the rise. So I told the UFC, I said, we need to do a positive spin on this. This is not my city. This is not what it represents. Like that's my street. Like I live on that street, not around. Like I walked to that quick trip many, many times. So I wanted to do a positive spin on what Ferguson meant, how we had me come from there. And my friend who's a Grammy Award winner, and my friend who's an engineer who builds missiles for Boeing. And so many different people because of the environment, it built us and built character that we made it out of the situation and become successful. That's what I wanted them to do. That didn't happen. I was kind of frustrated with that. And I'll let Ben interject because he was going to interject. Well, that was that, well, what you're saying is more meaningful than what I was going to say. I was going to say, listen, Tyron, between winning the belt and then the first, say, 12 months after, he fought five times, right? And then they built this weird-ass narrative that he's always hurt and doesn't fight. And it's like Robert Whitaker doesn't have nearly the same narrative. Oh and he's fought twice in two years, you know? Rose Namajunas and all in the cyber. Yeah, her. Oh, that's two But years. I'm thinking yeah. like, damn. I was throwing leather nonstop, you know what I mean? Like, I fought four world title fights in, in less than a year. And look, the fights that followed winning the belt are, okay, I, I get it, but look at the way you won the belt against Lawler. The fact was that they were saying he was whining and wouldn't fight all the time, but it was just like... But just, he was the, also the, crapping on the, his the, performances. The stats just, well, that's just because, I, and that's where we come with the not logical side of it, but it's just like, where does that come from? We don't really know. Yeah, so... But you've you know, been watching this from yeah, the outside. Yeah. As his friend, as his... Uh-huh. family member, how pissed off were you getting? I mean, part of it is, hey, that's what that guy does. And now he's my boss, so I can't say that many bad things about him. But that's kind of how he acts. But yeah, it was totally unfair. And un- frankly, in my opinion, totally unfounded. Is some of that um, trickling down to you? No, I got my own issues with him. Okay. What is that all about? Uh, so is that I, guilty I, I by association? A, I called him a liar in 2012, and he hasn't forgiven me, I don't think. Well, And liar over what? He said you couldn't drug test, and I said USADA could do it. And then, well, hey. Yeah. Someone was right and someone was wrong. Yeah, it's been wow. a good thing for the sport. That's yeah. crazy. 2012? 2012, yeah. Checking out. So we should thank you for the USADA. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, because a but, lot uh, of people look like they're melting now. Yeah. Their yeah. bodies look like... <laughs> a little different. I, I see why you guys get different. a little under. You guys you guys are very outspoken and you your beliefs are strong. Yeah. What you're saying... Yeah. Like, there's people who talk and they just wolf tickets just to wolf, right? 
So we got this ESPN piece, right? They did a mm-hmm. piece about um, me and Ben, and they did a, another piece about me fighting. And when I was watching it, I put everybody in the category. So when I think of the young guns, I fought Jordan Meehan when he was on the seven-fight win streak. Not the Jordan Meehan that went on, you know, back and forth. He had just beat Cyborg, Mary Zoramkis, um, Josh Berkman. He had beat everybody back-to-back-to-back, finished everybody. I fought him in his prime. Then I fought the Dynamic Strikers, Tarek Safadine when he was on a crazy tear, Carlos Khan, and I fought the kickboxers, Paul Daly, Paul Daly, Darren Till. Then I fought the karate specialist twice. Then I fought the jiu-jitsu master and Andre Goval, who's probably one of the best at taking the back in the gi. And we had books and posters in my gym as I was training. I said, take that down. Fighting him, <laughs> fighting Damian Maya, fought Robbie, who was probably one of the best brawlers. And then when you think of freestyle fighters, you know, Jay Heron and Kashek, their only real significant losses were to George St. Pierre. So when you look at who I fought, and I managed to make sure all of those guys didn't look the part when they fought me. They weren't able to outbrawl me. They wasn't able to outgrapple me. They wasn't able to outstrike me. All the strikers... Carlos Condon, Darren Till, Paul Daly. I outstruck all the strikers. I outgrappled all the grapplers. So performance is mastering and dominating. When I was drilling with Ben the other day, and I'm like, damn, every time we start drilling, it's like, what, 15, 20 people that just hovering around the fence. And I'm like, Ben, we take this for granted. They're watching mastery. They don't understand how many years we're doing this. And we're talking as we're doing We're not getting tired. And we're just flowing. And these little small intricate pieces that we just do naturally, it's amazing to them. And when I think about my career, like I've mastered the fact of knowing what I do well, accepting what I don't do well, seeing how my opponent would prepare for me if I was them, having a great circle, great coaches, being in the wrestling department, Eric Brown in the boxing department, Duke, and they all cohesively work so well together, no egos, that now I'm competing against myself. I'm competing against my last performance. I want to have a better performance until. It's not about Usman. It's not about Queefington. It's not about none of these guys because my toughest competition is behind me. So now it's about being humble and it's about really trying to push the gas down. But Usman's a tough uh, foe. I mean, I was just talking to his manager last week and he says, hey, if this goes... That guy, fight, that guy didn't tell any truth. He says, if the Ali, fight goes past the first, Ali it's going to be difficult on you. Ali was texting me, hey, what's up, man? I was just kidding. Then he was on my live calling me the TMZ king. Then I said, then I kind of checked it. Was like, oh, man, I'm just kidding around. Like, I don't know how to take him, so now I'm just kind of, like, putting on brakes. Like, huh. A lot of people are saying that he could win, right? I mean, if you're talking like, about— I've been an underdog how many fights in a row? They said Till was going to take me out. They said Robbie was going to knock me out. They said Wonderboy had the ingredients. He had won seven fights in a row. Damian Maya had taken on his last 12 opponents, and he was on seven fights in a row. A mouth to say anything. Let him show me. We got Saturday. They can say whatever they want. What, yeah, you know what? what I, I don't fight, think. Man? Well, I don't think that Marty brings anything unique to the table. I mean, he's a solid wrestler with average kickboxing and a decent motor, and that's it, right? When when Tyron talks about his other guys, he's fought. They all brought a very highly unique skill set to the table. And I think he said this: this is an easier fight than his past ones. I truly believe that he. Truly I don't like that. to say easier fight because I don't want to. Well, I'm not wanna, fighting him, so I can yeah, say. Yeah, you can say. <laughs> well, why are you saying your fight's going to be so difficult, Ben? Robbie's really, really good. You know, I think obviously I have the goods to beat him, but when you look at, there's only really a couple ways you can beat me, right? You're not going to outgrapple me. You're not going to outlast me. You know, if you're a volume puncher, someone who doesn't have a lot of power, they're not going to hit me enough times to make a difference, right? And so really the only type of guy is a guy who's got decent wrestling defense, which, which Robbie's decent, and heavy hands, which he hits pretty hard. And so my job is pretty straightforward, right? I, I close the distance. I stay close. And I don't let him unload those power shots, and I make his night a really long, miserable 15 minutes. 
think it's pretty simple, pretty cut and dry. And, you know, one thing I've been able to do forever, you know, wrestling or MMA is just stick to a game plan, right? I know what my game plan is. I have to go there and execute it really well, and I'm going to do that. Saturday night, UFC 235 in Las Vegas. T-Mobile Arena, pay-per-view. Lance Plugmeyer will be there covering it. He'll be interviewing you guys afterwards. But I w- really want to know, can I get on the list for the VIP party? Uh, I saw Tyron Cavill <laughs> one Chateau. somewhere. Okay, th- I always wanted, I've never, really, I never had a chance to see these guys. Who, this, do you plan it or does somebody else plan somebody it for Somebody else plan it. Uh, actually, Heidi. Okay, oh, so, so they just take your picture and put it there, yeah. right? Really? I've only had three parties and she's playing all the Because like, fans right. always say, he's too worried about his party. No, like, I don't do You that. guys do, do understand, though, that you guys are worried about your fight. You have yeah, publicists, you have managers going on that just and, do that. And, you, you're not actually going, okay, let me get what color balloons. No, you're not doing any of that stuff, right? I didn't set it up. All I did uh, is say yes. All right. Well, just put me on the list. Saturday night, <laughs> UFC well, well, 235. You're going? Huh? You're going to Vegas also? If I'm on a list, yeah. Are you going to sit next to Lance? No, Lance is VIP. He'll be front row. Oh, okay. So I know my role as a podcast host. I'll be at the bar. Okay. We'll take care of that. Deal. Uh, your social media, T. Woodley. T-W-O-O-O-D-L-E-Y. Ben. I'm just Ben Aspen. Ben Aspen. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on the Arrive thank Early and Leave Late. Good luck Whoa, to both of you. And leave Lance alone. Don't mess with him too much. Uh, you got you to rough with Lance. And make sure that uh, Lance, Lance, who, Lance too hey. academic about a book. We got to a college professor at University of Laverne. Right. Really? Okay. Yeah. And if somebody else is asking a question and they cut Lance off, you better take care of him. All right. We got you. <laughs> All right. There you go. Thank you guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was fun, Lance. Thanks for setting it up. Two really interesting guys. The dynamic that they have, you could feel their chemistry with them. I agree. I think that the debut of Ben Askren is going to be very interesting to watch. And again, I think for Woodley, it's an opportunity to really kind of stamp just how special a champion he is. Now, you have a newsletter or email? What do you do? What is? What can people do with your boxing world? Every Tuesday morning, or well, actually around noon each Tuesday, the Fight Corner is what I publish. And basically, it's a news and notes of everything that's going on that week. Usually, I try to hitch it to a fight week. This week, I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to be doing something on Henry Cejudo, the flyweight champion who was born in LA and and spent some pretty formative years here. Had a really good interview with him. And since it's a busy fight week, we'll be spending most of our coverage throughout the week in the newspaper from Las Vegas on the UFC card. And that newsletter, sign up, go to email. Just go follow Len. Pugmire Twitter and he'll send out links all the time. You go and subscribe. And all these times also has a newsletter with Houston Mitchell every morning, which is how I get my news now. Houston's email are like about six in the morning. Uh, there's also baseball ones, there are all kinds of good ones. But yours is MMA and boxing, combat sports related, really good stuff where you could see things that we might miss. You're like, wait a minute, okay, I like that story. Uh, as far as the boxing world, let's stick to that right now. Any news, any information, any stuff that sticks out to you that you like right now? I mean, obviously, the highlight of March is going to be the pay-per-view fight between Mikey Garcia, who trains in Riverside, who grew up in Oxnard, moving up two divisions to fight for the welterweight belt, uh, belonging to undefeated champion Errol Spence Jr. at AT AT&T Stadium outside Dallas. And I think that that's uh, the the biggest fight of the month. It's a great illustration of the courage that Mikey Garcia has. He already has four belts that he's wearing. He's moving up for a fifth belt, moving up two divisions. And, you know, for him, he wants to be considered a great of his generation. This is his opportunity in this fight to prove that. And against a guy at Errol Spence who wants to stand as the best welterweight champion in what is a very loaded division that includes the likes of undefeated Keith Thurman, that includes an older Manny Pacquiao, and includes some very good fighters, including the WBC champion, Sean Porter, who is going to be fighting at Dignity Health Sports Park, which is the old StubHub Center in Carson, on March 9th next week. It'll take a while to get used to that name. 
Yes. It's just Carson, and I'm the mayor of Carson. So we welcome you with open arms down in Carson, Lance Puck Meyer. Before we go, though, this Saturday, UFC 235. I've been to a couple, but UFC in Vegas, I've never been to. You got to come out. It's a different vibe, right? The energy. And no, this isn't a commercial for it. It just feels different, right? It's a younger crowd. It's a more enthusiastic crowd. There's a lot more action, obviously, on UFC cards than there is on the early boxing undercards. The fans get there a little bit earlier. And then obviously, once that pay-per-view starts at 7 p.m., there's five fights on the pay-per-view portion. And usually all of them carry a lot of significance and weight. So it's a different animal. I think if you haven't been out there and you want to come out and see combat sports at its finest, a UFC pay-per-view is the way to go. And the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast is bringing you the different perspectives. It used to be, you know, just me by myself. Then it became the writers. And then it, now we're starting to bring in guests. So subscribe, rate, review. Let us know. Let us know who you want to have on the podcast. Uh, we try to limit, you know, we might try to make it special. Like, you know, this is fancy. This is It's only going to be stars. It's only stars. A-listers. Exactly. Champions coming on in. So for Lance Pugmire, I'm Bethel Durant. Thanks for listening to the Arrive Early Leave Late podcast. Produced by Dave Wine, engineered by Mike Heflin, who's from St. Louis and had a great time with Woodley. Those two go away. They actually know each other, which is the crazy thing. Angel Rodriguez is the sports editor. As always, go to latimes.com slash podcast, latimes.com slash podcast for all things podcast related. Not just Arrive Early, everything from the LA Times. <laughs>